This message is something that was born back in late March. Um, I was actually on my way to Mississippi, um, 10 hours in a vehicle. When you spend 10 hours in a vehicle by yourself, if, if you take the opportunity to, God can really speak to you in those 10 hours. Um, and I think more than once I was reminded on my way down there, hey, dummy, this is the only time you'll slow down long enough for me to speak to you this long. So this is where this message came from. It's going to be a little bit different than what you may think um, starting out, but I really feel like this is one of those things that's literally running rampant in our society. And for the vast majority of people, we're completely blinded by it, completely blinded to the fact that it even exists because our culture tells us something totally different. And we bought into that lie to the point that we are now lying to ourselves and we're lying to our families as a result. So you'll notice that the name of this is Pursuit of Happiness, Healthy Families for Life, the Church, and the World. I decided, Dana gave me the option to do this one now or do it later uh, because of the series that we're doing, Love Your Church is the series that we're doing right now. But I chose to go ahead and do it right now because I feel like in order for you to love your church and be the member of the church that you need to be, things need to be right at home. If you're not right at home, you're going to carry that to the church body. You're going to carry that to this family. You've got to get the things right in the smaller unit, the small family, before you can bring it to this individual church family. And let's face facts, guys. We're just one little small portion of the church family. The church family is all-encompassing into this world. So in order for God to really unleash his power through us, we have got to get things right at that base level first. And then we can go into our church, our town, our community, our state, our nation, our world. So we've got to get this right. So there's five steps to happiness. Everybody excited to hear what those are? Too bad, because that's not this sermon. <laughs> if I knew how to do that, I'd be writing a book, and I'd be like retiring to the mountains somewhere, and the only time you'd see me is when I was going on a mission trip. That's, that's a fact of life, all right? Five steps to happiness, not, not going to happen, guys, at least not, not through me, anyhow. But that's not this sermon. We are going to talk a little bit about three different men briefly, and we're not going to really dive into their lives a whole lot. Um, but we are going to talk to, about them briefly because there is a common thread here. If you look for it, there's a common thread. Even though they're strikingly different men in strikingly different circumstances, there is, a th there is a thread here between their lives. In Ecclesiastes 2, King Solomon tells us that everything he accomplished was a chasing of the wind. King Solomon accomplished more, attained more, and did more than any man in history. Any man in history. He's also known to be one of the wisest men that ever lived. Had a, had a bunch of wives. I don't know how wise that was, but hey, what do I know, right? Anyhow, um, but supposedly one of the wisest men to ever live. And he attained more in his life than anybody else before or since. And at the end of it, he said it was the chasing of the wind. It was all for nothing. If he could think of it, he did it, and he accomplished it, and at the end he said, it's all for nothing. King David, he rose to kinghood very young in life, very respected person, completely different king than King Solomon, but he was very respected by his people, and he did that from a young age. And as you well know, King David fell, didn't he? 
and he fell by his own doing. But he also knew that there was a redemptive spirit in God that he could call upon. And he called upon that in that moment of need, and, and God showed up in his life. And in fact, Psalms 27, 11 tells us, Teach me your way, O Lord. And we often repeat that once, but if you actually look at the Psalms, that theme is repeated in several of the Psalms. It was that important to him for God to teach him his ways because he figured out that while he was doing things his way and he was respected by man and he had all this status, he still fell in God's eyes. And he realized the importance of, I need God's joy back in my life. And that's what he cries for later on in the Psalms, if you'll read them. He says, oh, oh Lord, where is my joy? Because he realized that his joy had left him and it was because of his own doing. The next one is Job. In 122, it says, Job doesn't sin even when in sadness. Job was another man that had life figured out. He had a family. He had stature in the community. He had life figured out by man's standards. And then he had every bit of it stripped away from him. And the difference is Job didn't do anything wrong. He didn't deserve it. We like to place judgment on people that deserve it. But Job didn't deserve this. He did nothing wrong. But he still refused to curse God because he knew where his joy came from. He knew even in the worst times of his life, something I can't even fathom going through, losing your family, your whole family, losing everything, your health, all at once, he still knew where his joy came from. And it was nothing on this earth. Nothing whatsoever. It came from God. So I want us to think about these three as we progress through our own lives. Of, I'm going to assume that at some point in time you're going to relate to something that I have to say. You may not relate to all of it, but you are going to relate to some of it. So, but keep these things in mind, how these men, even though one of them had everything, he said it was worthless. One of them had everything figured out by man's standards and then made a mistake and then lost it. And he had to come back to his source of joy to get it back. And the other man did absolutely nothing wrong. Life was not fair to him, but he still refused to curse God. So, what is happiness? Zeb's definition, all right? Precursor, Zeb's definition. I was looking at different things. You're not going to find this in Wikipedia, all right? But as I was looking through there, I was like, I really don't like any of these definitions. Um, but I kind of like a combination of some of them. So this is actually a combination of a couple different ones. But Zeb's definition is a state of bliss triggered by an external circumstance. Oh, happiness is something we strive for isn't it, in this life. We, we say we want to be happy. It's triggered by an external circumstance. What is joy? Again, Zeb's definition. Actually, the other definition is actually closer to what you're going to see in Wikipedia or so whatever. This one here, not even close. And the reason is, is because every definition I found wanted to leave an inward connection to God out of it. We are, we are able to attain our own joy by man's standards. And that's just not true. It's not true. So, again, this is a combination. It's a state of contentment triggered by an inward connection 
to God. And that's the key, guys, that connection to God. Because you cannot get joy yourself. I don't care how hard you try. I don't care where you look. It is not going to happen. It will not happen because it can't happen. You know, we often want to look at people in society that maybe struggling with this, 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 and this. These, these things by cu- cultural standards isn't okay. And we're saying, man, you're looking for God in every place but where you need to be looking for God. Every place that you're looking, you're not going to find him because he's not there. You got to, what you're looking for, that hole inside of you is only going to be filled by God. And we do that like we're better than them. And the reality of it is we do the exact same thing in our own life. It's just not something that is wrong by man's standards. So therefore, it's covered up more. It's, it's acceptable in our culture. But reality of it is God's ways is a lot higher than our ways. And just because it's, not, it's all right by man's standards does not mean it's okay by God's standards. So we're going to talk a little bit about this pursuit of happiness Happiness is as fleeting as the Missouri weather, all right? It literally is. The weather is in a constant state of change. It's a constant state of flux or motion, and it does not stop. It's always changing, and so does life. Life always changes, and our happiness is literally just like that. It does not matter how hard you try. You cannot attain and sustain happiness. It's literally like grabbing onto water and expecting it to stay in your hand. There may be a small portion of it stays there, but guess what? It's going to leak out at some point in time. I'm going to drink. Then I'm going to show you something. So this is what I see taking place in our society, um, in our marriages, in, in our children's lives. Let's say this is happiness, okay? I can drink happiness. I can also pour just a little bit into my hand. And my hand's cupped. It's going to stay there. It, but the only way it's going to stay there is if I leave my hand cupped and I keep it level. I just tilted my hand a little bit because I got distracted. Now it's starting to seep through my fingers. It's starting to disappear. But I've got to stay in this position if I have any chance whatsoever of keeping that happiness contained. How long am I going to be able to stand like this before I give out? At some point in time, I'm going to tire, right? You ever chased after happiness to the point that you're tired? It's a, th- it's a thing, isn't it? So the next mental trap is... Well, my hand's getting tired. I don't like having it cupped. I don't like standing here. I'm getting tired. So I'm going to try to prop it up with something in this world and give me rest. But I still want to keep my happiness because I'm propped up by something in this world. Life's good right now. My hand's cupped. It's level. It's resting on this. Guess what? At some point in time, this happiness is still going to evaporate. It's going to disappear. It doesn't matter what I do, how hard I try. At some point in time, it's going to disappear. So when that happens, when that happens, 
The same thing happens in our relationships often because, because our relationships are tied to our happiness. And we make the statements, well, I'm just not happy anymore. And it's because we are focusing on the wrong thing. Well, what I want to do is when that happiness dries up, I want to blame the sun for drying it up. Or maybe I want to blame somebody else for not helping me shade it from the sun to keep it from evaporating. So it's somebody else's fault. Or maybe it's because we're focusing on the wrong thing. We're focusing on something that's not sustainable. And if that's the case, you're going to fail every time. So will your relationships. I promise you, if you focus on happiness in your relationship, your relationship's going to fail at some point in time. It will happen. So when you, I want you to stop before I change this next slide. I want you to stop and think about your own relationship for a minute. Whether that's a marriage, maybe it's a boyfriend-girlfriend, maybe it's a fiancé, or maybe it's just somebody that you're really close to in your life. In that relationship, have you been chasing this state of temporary bliss or happiness? Honestly, I'm not going to call you out. I'm not going to say, hey, what, have you been? But think about it for a second. Have you been doing that in your relationship? Have you been chasing that state of happiness, that state of bliss? All too often when we chase after that state of happiness and it dries up, our relationship dries up. But why is that? Why does it dry up? I'm going to project, and I'll read this one to you word for word. One of the main reasons why is because of the focus on the pursuit of happiness. And we confuse the unsustainable happiness or lack of sustained happiness to the point that we start making statements like, I just am not happy anymore. Or that eventually leads to, I just don't love them anymore. I fell out of love with them. We confuse that to the point that we start making statements like that. If you're in a statement like that right now, you're in a watch-out situation. You really are. Because I'm not saying what you're going through is similar to this situation. Maybe what you're going through is completely different. But if you're making statements like that, find out why. Find out why you're making statements like that and try to address it. But for you history buffs out there, isn't the pursuit of happiness in our Declaration of Independence? Every seventh grader should know this. I would have forgot completely, but well, actually I knew it was in there somewhere, but I wouldn't have not known it was in the Declaration of Independence, to be honest with you. I would have said it was in the Constitution. It's actually in the Declaration of Independence. Um, but it also says life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And those are unalienable rights to every human, and it is the government's responsibility to not infringe upon them. All right? What is interesting about that is the U.S. Constitution actually only says life and liberty. Why, they, why it left out the pursuit of happiness couldn't tell you but that's a whole another rabbit hole I'll, I'm gonna go down that one another thing that it says is they are given to you by your creator you do not inherently have them by yourself they are given to you by your creator that is literally spelled out they are given to you by your creator you know what else you have in this country that is a right you have a right to freedom of religion that we are doing our best in this country 
to skew to the point that it's freedom of non-religion. We are doing our best to do that. You have another right in this country, or at least you did up until three weeks ago. You had a federal protection to the right to an abortion. Let's give the Supreme Court a hand for getting that one right. So, I bring this to a point because the pursuit of happiness by itself isn't something that's necessarily bad in God's eyes. All right? Abortion, I can stand on that one. But pursuit of happiness, it's not something that's necessarily bad in God's eyes. But our pursuit of it can become our downfall. I will say that. Are we focused on attaining fleeting happiness by manipulating our external circumstances, or are we trying to achieve inward contentment slash joy through relationship with God? I know for certain that my life, I've definitely large chunks of my life, I spent way too much time chasing after things, things that I felt like that I needed to make me happy. And it lasted for about that long. And then I was on to something else. And it lasted for about that long. And then I was on to something else. And I will guarantee you, there's some people sitting in this room right now that are doing this with a person. They are chasing after that person, trying to attain happiness when that person can't do it. I guarantee there's somebody sitting in this room right now that's trying to do that. When you put yourself in that position, you put yourself up for, set yourself up for disappointment. Now, the next side of that is, are we trying to achieve inward contentment slash joy through relationship with God? A quick litmus test. Now, I mean, this is not the end-all be-all, but this is a quick litmus test. How much time a day are you spending chasing after things of this world versus how much time are you spending in connection with Christ? How much time? I know for me, I fail a lot, guys. I'm not preaching at you. I'm, I'm preaching at myself as much as anybody else. I spend a lot, lot of time chasing after things of this world. And probably to the point that it's too much time a lot of times. And God gets second best. And that's not how it's supposed to be. I cannot sustain myself in that atmosphere. I just can, I cannot do it. At some point in time, I'm going to tire. And when I tire, I have two options. Open my hand and let the happiness go or try to fight and keep it knowing that it's never going to stay there it it can't stay there but that's my only two options if I go down that road so what is the correct amount of time (laughs) I can't answer that question because it's the wrong question that is the wrong question to ask what is the correct amount of time Because our finite brains, we want to put everything into finite terms, right? So we try to, well, if I spend 15 minutes a day doing this, then I'm good. Or if I spend 45 minutes a day doing this, then I'm better. But it's not the right right question to ask. The right question to ask is, what do you owe your creator? And if you ask yourself that question, you've got to admit failure. Because what do we owe our creator? Every breath. Every breath. And you and I both know that that's not attainable. 
But fortunately, God knew this when he created us, and he gives us grace that we don't have to try to focus in on every breath knowing that we're going to fail. He gave us grace when he created us. He knew that we could not repay him when he created us. He knew we were going to fail. So to go back to the, next, the, the other question, how much time is the right amount of time? I can't answer that for you. It's not my question to answer. That's God's question to answer in your life. And the only way you're going to figure that out is by spending time with God in prayer, in worship, in study, and in silence. You have got to spend time with Him. And I can promise you this much. If you do that, He will grow you. He will grow you. He will not grow you as long as you're chasing after the wind. He can't. I say he can't. I don't even say God can't do anything. God can do whatever he wants. But it's a lot harder for you to hear from God when you're chasing after the wind. All right? You've got to spend time with him. And I can tell you this much. The, mo the more that you spend time with him and that connection with Christ the more you're going to realize that he takes care of your needs. He may not take care of your wants because let's face facts, a lot of times our wants are a distraction for us. But he will take care of your needs. And you will care less about those wants and you will care more about being thankful to your creator for taking care of your needs in those moments. I'm going to give you a real-life example. It's my little play on words here, but um, real-life example and how this works. I figure the Yoders are listening right now. Everybody say, hi, Yoders. <laughs> all right. So this is a real-life example about what I'm talking about here, all right? So the Yoders are out on a trip into the mountains. It's a well-deserved trip, and I'm glad they're out there. I mean, um, they needed this, right? But I guarantee you, they are in this temporary state of bliss right now, right? Because they're in the mountains, and we're not. And I'm jealous, but that's beside the point, right? But they're in this temporary state of bliss because they're on this adventure, this journey, you know, this, you know, this new experience together. They're, they're going to places they've never been before, so it's, it's all new to them. So they're in this temporary state of bliss. Now, I will say this much. They're traveling with six kids, so I don't think every moment's going to be a state of bliss, all right? <laughs> I just don't think it's going to happen. <laughs> so even though their overall trip is going to be a state of bliss for them, there's going to be moments that's not going to be a state of bliss for them. They're not going to be happy in that moment. You know, there's going to be times while they're out there that they're going to be blissful, maybe frustrated, maybe even fearful. They are, camp they are camping in tents in bear country. So, you know, that's a possibility. Um, there are going to be times that they're thankful. There's going to be times that they're probably going to be sadness on that trip because they're traveling with six and number seven is traveling in spirit. Overall, they're going to come back from that trip rejuvenated. They're going to come back rejuvenated because I know Danny well enough to know that he's not caught up in the moments of bliss. He's going to spend part of his time out there in that solitude in the mountains, which I firmly believe, for, at least for me personally, is the only place I really get that close to God is when I'm out there on that mountaintop alone with him. And he's going to spend time in connection with Christ. And when they come back, 
They're going to have this big adventure to tell us about. They're going to tell us this story and that story. And they're going to do this and they're going to do that. And then life is going to start going again, isn't it? And at some point in time, that rejuvenation from that trip is going to disappear. It's going to be gone. And I'll even make the projection that 10 years from now, the vast majority of that trip, they're not going to remember. They're not going to remember the vast majority of that trip. They'll remember the being there. They'll remember the highlights. They maybe even remember some of the lowlights, depending on how many times young Gideon gets his butt warmed up while he's out there. <laughs> but the vast majority of that trip is going to go to the recesses of their brain back in here somewhere, never to be accessed again. It's just, it's just going to be gone. And they're not even going to remember it. But I can promise you this much. That amount of time that he's going to spend in connection with Christ out there is going to come back to here and it's going to be poured into every one of you. And when that happens, you have the opportunity to take that and pour it into somebody else. God's joy is unlimited. It does not stop. It's perpetual. And it will go all over the earth. But it takes your commitment to spending time with Christ. Otherwise, you don't get there. You get hung up on second best, which is temporary bliss. You get hung up on the fleeting. You get hung up on the something that's not attainable. You have to commit yourself to saying, God, you are my source of joy, and I am going to connect myself with you, and I am not going to let go until you tell me I can let go, which is not going to happen until he sets his kingdom up on this earth. All right. Our story. Hi, my name is Zeb Jordan. So I want to tell you a little bit about my journey. Because I feel like that I'm not alone in this, all right? I feel like there's people sitting in this room right now that can probably relate to my story. I don't think I'm that unique, all right? I don't. So my story is, if you know me, I'm, a, I'm two years into my marriage, all right? Two years. And I spent over a decade prior to that Independent of spouse and family. Independent of it. And as a result of that, I was living in this false illusion of non-dependence on people. I had the ability to do what I needed to do, take care of myself. And I was going to do it. And it was all illusion. But that was where I was at. Because I had spent that much time period by myself that I felt this pride in what I could get done and what I had accomplished. And you name it, you, you, put your, you put your tag on whatever it is for you. And I spent a lot of time building my own castle. And in the process, I built a lot of walls to that castle that were not good. They were something that Zeb built, not something that God built through me. And then... I meet my wife, and she had spent several years of her life prior to that on her own, raising a child by herself. She had also had that self-independence, non-dependence on people. You know, she had to get things done herself, and as a result, she built her own castle. And some of those walls were some that she had built by herself, and 
hadn't let God build through her. So long story short, here we are coming together. And let's face facts, guys. We, bro- we both brought a lot of crap to a relationship. <laughs> All right? We brought a lot of crap to it. Um, what was meant to be good, what God had brought together, that moment of bliss when we got married, now all of a sudden, hey, she knows the real me. Hey, I know the real her. And I don't like all of it. She doesn't like all of mine either. What are we going to do with this? And the reality of it is, overnight, we went from single, independent, to a blended family being born. Overnight, we went from single to having a spouse. We had a 16-year-old boy in the house. We had an 8-going-on-21-year-old girl going in the house. <laughs> and shortly thereafter, Finn was on his way. Good things, right? You want to talk about Satan's playground. Satan had a field day with us. I'm going to be honest with you. Satan had a field day. He did. You guys probably didn't see it that much, or maybe you did, and maybe I just just thought I was hiding it better than what I was hiding it. I don't know. But anyhow, we decided to go ahead and go to counseling, and I will say this much. If you are struggling in your relationships, suck it up and go to counseling. It's not that bad, guys. Suck it up and go to counseling. I will say this caveat, though. though. If you are going to go to counseling, go to a Christian counselor. Because even if the non-Christian counselor helps you, the most they can help you is in attaining happiness by man's standards. They do not understand where joy comes from, and they cannot get you there. All right, so I want to back up a little bit here. Not only did we have all this going on, but when I say my wife just literally just built her castle, she had literally just built her castle, guys. She had literally just built a house, and she had to leave it to come over here. She had a career she waited on for years to get, got it, had to leave it, come to here. What I'm telling you is this, God, Satan will use whatever he can to pull you guys apart. It does not matter to him what it is. Whatever is the weak spot there, he's going to take advantage of, and he will use it against you guys if you let him. All right. All right, so canceling helped. I will be the first to admit that it did help. Um, But the only reason that it helped is because we chose Christian counselors to go to. Right? Now the battle's not with each other as much as now it's with Satan meddling in our life. And we do our best to try to avoid battling with each other because we're not going to win that fight. I don't care if you win or if you lose, you lose. When you're battling amongst each other, you lose every time. All right? So, men, you want to battle the fight? Take the battle of Satan for your family. He's already lost. Remind him of it. Or you can choose to battle with the symptom of the problem. I promise you, your spouse is not the problem. Satan meddling in your spouse's wife is the problem. You choose to either battle with her or battle with the real problem. If you choose to battle with a symptom, the main problem is just going to keep coming back and back and back and back and back and it never stops. 
You've got to choose to battle and fight the real fight. And that is where is the problem coming from. But what, all too often what we want to do is battle with each other. But our greatest revelation through this whole thing was the fact that we were both stuck on the illusion of life in this independent or non-dependent state instead of utter dependence on God. We, that is literally where all this was coming from. We had to humble ourselves to the fact that, guess what? This life I'm living is not real. The only reason that I'm here where I'm at right now is because God allowed me to be here. I, if it wasn't for Him, I wouldn't be here in the first place. And once we decided that we were going to stop living in this illusion of non-dependence on each other, we went from, I don't need you to be happy, to, God, I can't attain joy without you. It is a complete different mindset, guys. It literally will change your whole relationship. So, I got some hard statements to make, and I wanted to build up to this moment because I was afraid if I let off on it, you'd want either tune me out or two literally walk out. I don't know which would happen, but, but so I wanted to build up to this. But hard statements. Men, if you're married, you're engaged, you've got a girlfriend, it's time to stand up. If you're, and I mean that literally. If your spouse is with you, your girlfriend is with you, your fiance is with you, today, sitting beside you, I want you to literally stand up right now. I don't know where Vicki went. She fell out back somewhere. Men, our days on this earth is numbered. That moment's coming when God says, cha-ching, and our time on this earth is up. And we don't get a redo. We get one chance at this. One chance. And I promise you that every breath that we take is getting us closer and closer and closer to that moment. It's tick-tock, 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 tick-tock. Closer and closer and closer and closer. Wives, girlfriends, fiancés, stand beside your men. I want you to look at each other. Take each other's hand. Look at each other in the face. Take each other's hand. That day is coming for your husband, for your spouse, for your boyfriend, for your fiancé. That day is coming when his days on this earth are no longer his time on this earth is up. And when that moment comes, he's going to stand in judgment. And I can promise you one thing. One of the things that he's not going to be asking on the day of judgment is, did he make you happy? It's not going to happen. Because he can't make himself happy. How can he ever make you happy? This goes both ways goes both ways she cannot make you happy she might make you happy for a moment she might make you happy for a week or maybe even a month 
but she cannot sustain your happiness. It is not hers to give you in the first place. She cannot do it. But all too often we get caught up on that, don't we? Where we say, I'm just not happy anymore. And the reason we are like that is because we've lost our connection with God and His joy in our life is no longer present. And if you want your relationship back, submit yourself to God and and connect to Him and let the fruit of the Spirit, which one attribute of the fruit of the Spirit is joy. Let that flow into you. That way you have the possibility for it to flow out of you. Because, man, you like that statement that you're not responsible for her happiness. But I can promise you this much. When the day comes, what you are going to be responsible for is a lot more profound than mere happiness. It's going to be a lot more profound. Did you put yourself in a position where your marriage was an example of God's joy coming out of you? Did you put yourself in a position where your marriage was an example of God's joy flowing into your children? Was your marriage an example of God's love to a lost world? What did you do with the time that God gave you? Did you choose to hold your spouse accountable for your happiness? Or did you do something with it? That's the question. You guys sit back down. I know it's getting awkward. I wish Zane and Shana was here today because I was really going to have a lot of fun with them right now. Because she's she's pregnant, recently married. I know exactly where those two are. But anyhow, um, they're not here, so it won't be as near much fun without them. So I'll just skip on to it. But did your marriage promote God's love and joy to a lost world? If either of you have ever made a statement that you don't understand, I need this, this, and this to be happy. I need my man to do this, 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 and be happy. I need my wife to do this to be happy or that to be happy. If either one of you have ever made that statement and the top three things on that list is not a personal relationship with Christ, a spouse who has a personal relationship with Christ, and the, and the willingness to put God's desire over our own, and an opportunity to join my spouse in that adventure, it doesn't matter what else is on the list. It's all out of priority. Every bit of it is. What is in priority? God. God first. What's next? Spouse. What's after spouse? Kids. All right. Kids. Where are you at? Yeah, there's some, I'll, I'll look this way, all right? That way you are, because I don't want to consider you guys kids anymore. Kids. Your parents' primary responsibility towards you, which is way down their own list of priorities, is not your happiness. It will never be your happiness. It was never intended to be your happiness. Their number one priority is to bring you up in the ways of the Lord. That way your soul spends eternity not separated from Christ. That's not what society wants to tell us though, is it? 
society wants to tell us you need to chase after this. You need to take your kids to that. You need to take this. You need to go to this. They need to have this opportunity, that opportunity. Every bit of it, guys, every bit of it, kids, is a chasing after the wind. It will not matter 10 years from now. I promise you it will not matter. But where your soul goes will matter. Be thankful that you've got parents that will raise you in the ways of the Lord. And if you don't have parents that will raise you in the ways of the Lord, find some adult mentors to instruct you. Because I promise you, you'll get to where you want to go a lot quicker with mentorship from an adult Christian than you will on your own. Because when you're facing it on your own, all you can do is fight the battle yourself. But when you have like-minded people surrounding you, they can keep Satan at bay while you're struggling. And if you don't have that, that struggle comes, you're going to fall. Spend time with adults, children, either your own, if you got them, and be thankful for them, or others who are willing to invest in your life and be thankful for them. Well, I made some pretty hard statements there, guys, and I hope that you followed me through it because I didn't mean to offend you, but I really feel like that's one of the number one problems in our society right now. That's why our divorce rate's like it is. You know, we, we can see the... We can see the cheating. We can see the, you know, the addictions slipping back into that. We can see all those things. And you know, those are big items that we, we can really focus on about leading to divorce. But the reality of it is there's a ton of divorces happen every single day. And it's be yeah, today, Satan. And it's happening because of this chasing after the wind. Our focus in our relationship is what makes me happy. How do I get there? And we're not focusing on what God wants us to focus on. I literally, when I look out in this congregation, I see more than a congregation of the body. I see, I see God's power waiting to be unleashed. It's waiting to be unleashed, but we've got to get out of the way. We have got to get out of the way and let that happen. Because it's sitting here. There's literally people in this room right now that are on the precipice of being that power couple that they hoped they would be. And all of a sudden, it's, they realize that, hey, maybe we're not so powerful as what we thought. And it's because of misprioritizing life. You are on the precipice of being that power couple. But you've got to be willing to step out of the way. If you're single, this message is for you too. Right, don't think just because you're not married, you get off the hook today. Because the reality of it is, if you're single, put yourself on a path that promotes God's joy in life. Sacrifice your own temporary bliss to promote God's joy. And I can promise you this much. When you attain God's joy in your life, temporary bliss is second best. And, but until you get there, all you can focus on is that temporary bliss because that's what I'm clinging to. That's what I'm focusing on. That's right. It means nothing. And it will never mean anything. It will disappear. So if you're single, put yourself on a path that promotes God's joy in your life. And if you want to be married, because not every single person wants to be married, so I get that, all right? Um, if you want to be married... Pray that God sends you 
somebody to your life that already understands the difference in this. And if they do that, if he does that, then what will happen is you guys will avert a lot of these struggles that everybody else is going through because you already understand it. You already, he's, he's already put you in a position where you're beyond that. And you can literally take off where a lot of people are just trying to get to. You know, they're trying to get to that point in their relationship, and you literally can just take off from there and go. And it's not because of you. It's because of God in you that allows you to do that. So, I am going to tie this in a little bit here um, about why I put it, put it into this perspective, why I put it into this sermon series. And if you look at Psalms 133.1, it says, How good and pleasant it is when a brother, so let's say brothers, live together in unity. If you are not in unity in your home, how are you ever going to come to the church body and be in unity in the church body? How are you ever going to be to the point that God can use you to your full potential when you have friction and conflict at home? He has to, you have to, let yourself get to the point that God can remove that from your life. That way he can use you to the greatest potential in this church body. And then the next one is Colossians 3.13. Bear with each other and forgive another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. I'm not going to pretend to know what you're going through in your relationship. All right? I'm not going to pretend to. But I know this much. It doesn't matter. It only matters if you choose to make it matter. Because God forgave you even when you didn't deserve it. Doesn't mean that you, the person has the permission to keep repeating the same process you know that's an, that's its own well, that's another that's another issue all right but i can promise you this much if you're holding something against a spouse that took place years ago you're the problem i will say that boldly you are the problem if it took place years ago and you chose to stay with that person and you're still holding it against them you are the issue and the issue is i'm not willing to forgive and we often forget but we often con confuse forgiveness with forgetfulness. You're not going to forget. Whatever it was, you're not going to forget. But there's a difference between forgetful and forgiveness. And when you choose to forgive, you have to come up here and lay it down. And you have to walk away from it. Because the moment things get tough again, and you speak that, whatever that offense is, you breathe life back into it. And when you breathe life back into it, there's no healing. There's literally cannot heal because you will not let it. You just keep repeating the process. And life goes on good for a while until, things li until life's not good. And then that gets brought back up again. And then life goes on good for a while until life's not good anymore. And then that gets brought back up again. So if you're wanting to actually heal from something and forgive something, you've got to be willing to lay it down and speak no more of it. It's gone. Just like God forgave you as far as the east is from the west. That's what God did for you. If he can do that for us who didn't deserve it, we can do it for the ones that we love. 
And the next one is Ephesians 6, 4. Fathers, don't provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Parents, you ever win a battle, but, or you ever prove a point but lost the battle? Yeah, I'm sure I'm not the only one in this room that's proved a point, but I lost the battle, right? I mean, they, can, they figure out ways to push our buttons, don't they? You just push, 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 push. And the next thing you know, yeah, I proved my point, but I lost my battle. What are we teaching our children? What's one of the attributes of the fruit of the Spirit, which is singular, by the way, not plural, singular? So it's all-encompassing. We don't get to choose, well, God gave me patience, but he didn't give me kindness. We don't get to choose that. Uh, he didn't make me, he didn't give me self-control. The attributes of Christ is singular. They are literally pouring into you simultaneously all at the same time because that is the essence of Christ. One of those is patience. One of those is patience. And I hope for young Gideon's sake that that really is pouring into Danny and Barbara right now. But <laughs> yeah. But honestly, don't we do it? Don't we do it? Our point that we're trying to make to the child is good. We, we need to make that point to the child. But our delivery of it, we end up going, well, dang, I, should, I could have handled that one differently. You know, and we do that. And it's, it's a real thing, and I get it. So remember that when you are instilling God's discipline and God's ways into your child, that it specifically says, do not provoke anger. Because all too often what happens is when we leave that room, all that child knows is I'm in trouble and my parents are angry. There's a better way. That better way is there's a consequence and my parents love me enough to know that there is a consequence and it's coming. But we don't spend enough time in that delivery. We knee-jerk react. And it hurts our delivery to what we're trying to accomplish to that child and I'll be the first to admit guys this is tough sometimes I mean because they can they can push our buttons but I bring all this up all three of these because I, I really feel that you know this church body this body of Christ this church family if you so if you you know that's what we are as a church family and we are a small portion of a bigger body of Christ and I bring all this t- together to this moment because I literally feel like that if we cannot get it right at home, then we're just going to carry that everywhere we go. Everything that we touch, is going, we're, going to, we're just going to carry it with us, and everything we touch is just going to come off of us into that situation. If it's bitterness, everywhere we go, we're going to be carrying bitterness with us, and everything that we touch is just going to be going into that. But if our relationships and our family can show God's joy, and you've seen those families, you've seen those couples that you know just being around them, they are a power couple. If we can get ourselves to the point that God's joy is emanating out of us, everything we touch, God is going to be in the middle of. And then we have a chance of actually doing what God put us on here, on this earth to do. He has a plan for each and every one of our lives. And that plan is guaranteed different than what my plan is. 
God's plan for my life, I guarantee you, is completely different than what my plan is. And as long as I'm focused on what I want, God's going to have a hard time showing me His ways, which David wanted. When David fell, he knew that he needed God's ways. And that's what I want for us as a church family. I want us to have those healthy relationships at home. That way we can bring those healthy relationships to corporate worship. And we can bring those healthy relationships to our community, to our state, to our country, and to our lost world. Because that is why we are here. It's not to attain things. We are here to bring as many people into God's kingdom as we can probably bring with us. I'll bring this one up. It's going to be a short, I'll just talk about it for a second. But Proverbs 31. Most of you f females in here know what Proverbs 31 is. You know, we, we like to go to that one because it's the Christian woman, right? Men, there's a lot in there too. If you really want to take that next step in your relationship with your spouse, dive into Proverbs 31 yourself. I promise you, you'll get stuff out of there as well, not just your spouse. Your spouse isn't necessarily the issue. Sometimes it's us, all right? All right, so worship team, come on up. I'm going to close this thing out. And I've got some questions here. Because I feel like that there's people in this room who's got caught in this trap. I know I got caught in it. And I don't, like I said, I don't think I'm that unique. And I feel like that there's people in this room that's got caught in this trap that it's my spouse's responsibility to make me happy. And it's an absolutely 100% a trap. If they can't make themselves happy, if they can't sustain their own happiness, how are they ever going to make you happy? You've been holding them to a standard that they can't attain. And as a result, it's just been constant cycles of problems in our relationships. And the other side of that, too, is maybe as a couple, you get along just fine, but you can honestly say that we've been chasing after the wind. We've been, we've been putting more priority on our temporary bliss than we are of promoting God's joy in our life. We've been spending way too much time doing life's things instead of what God wants us to do, what God intended for us to do. Or maybe you have a situation where you know what God's plan for your life is, but you're in a situation where you don't want to give up what you got to bring that to fruition. Because you know that if in order to go down that path, you've got to give up what you got. But God's asking you to do that. I can promise you this much. Jeremiah 29 says it. God has plans for you. And his plans to prosper you, not harm you. And his ways are way higher than our ways. And if you go down that road with God, whatever it is that you're clinging on to at this moment will literally be dust in the wind at that moment because what he has in store for you will bring you greater joy than anything in this life can ever possibly bring you so if you are in this situation and I guarantee you there's people in this room right now that are maybe you owe God an apology to God I have been chasing after things that I shouldn't have to be chasing after 
and I've got my life out of priority. Or maybe you owe your spouse an apology for the way that you've been towards them. Whatever it is that you're hanging on to, bring it up here and lay it down. And when you lay it down, walk away from it because God's got more things in store for you than whatever it is that you're going to lay down. Thank you.